Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander, and I'm here with my co-host, Don Grafham. Don, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing well, John, in the midst of a pandemic, I guess you can say. I mean, due to the stay-at-home orders that are still on us at the time of this recording, here I am in sunny Shoreview, and you're somewhere in White Bear Lake, somewhere... (laughs) Yep. Different places, different screens. Usually we're kind of hunched in the same room in a dark room. I don't know why they put us in a dark room and we <laughs> face a wall, John. Why do they why do they tell us to face a wall? Yeah, every we're time? not on camera. We're just, yeah, we're just recording. No. They tell us to, but now we're on Zoom. Oh, here we are. But we also have two special guests with us today. This is super exciting. This is Tawny and Mark. They are leadership ex participants. And they're here to let us know about their Leadership X experience. You guys want to say hi? Hi. How are you doing? Hi. Good to have you guys. Mark, why don't you just maybe say a little bit about yourself before we get into this. How long have you been attending Eagle Brook? And uh, what's your involvement here? Sure. Yeah, we've been attending uh, for about six years. And uh, we started at uh, the uh, Woodbury campus right when they were Uh, just before they moved into their permanent uh, building. And we uh, loved it and looked uh, forward to the time that they would start a campus uh, south of the river. And so we're at the Lakeville campus and have been there for the last last year. I guess we just celebrated our first anniversary there. So we just crossed over the one-year mark. Congratulations. Happy anniversary, I know. How about you, Tani? Yeah, um, my family's been attending... Eagle Brook for 10 years this Easter. So our first service was an Easter service. Um, and we began at the Lionel campus. And then once Blaine opened, we moved over there and have been there ever since. So we love it here. And my whole family now serves in the kids ministry. Awesome. So glad you guys are here. Anything else, John, or should we just get going? I think we should get going. I want to hear more about Leadership X and what they're doing here. Well, Leadership X is an awesome program, if we can call it a program. We actually like to call it an experience, which is what the X stands for. So we, talk, we even talk, talked about creating a leadership, uh, kind of an institute or a leadership practicum or some kind of apprenticeship. And none of those words felt quite right. So actually, we came up with leadership experience, which we boiled down to Leadership X. And this was really birthed uh, about a a year and a half ago, I guess it was, that the campus pastors and I were at a, a leadership team retreat where the campus pastors and I got to a cabin and we were there for a couple of days and we talked about how can we move forward as a church? How can we continue to reach more people for Christ? And so one of the ways we talked about doing that was to get more leaders on board, that we could get more leaders equipped, that we could invest in them. Because as we often say, John, when leaders get better, the church gets better. And so we need to have leaders that are on board helping us to move our mission forward. And honestly, we took a page out of a book from one of our campus pastors, Steve Wicker, who had been doing it at Spring Lake Park for a while. They had great success with it there. And so we did some customizations to it so it could fit across all of our locations. And so we came up with this thing called Leadership X. And uh, really what it boils down to is a one-year experience where uh, a campus would get together, they'd decide who some of the top leaders are, some of the top volunteers at their site, they would send them a personalized note 
telling them that they see leadership inside of them and that they want to invest in their leadership gifts and they invite them to click on a certain website where they would learn more about the Leadership X program. And within that came how many books they were going to read, which is three books. They were going to read, uh, they're going to listen to three podcasts. They were going to shadow three different staff members. And then there were different workshops that would be set up throughout the year. One where they'd all come together, three other ones where we'd talk about how to lead yourself, how to lead others, and another one on how to lead leaders. And so it really became this kind of one-year experience that we'd invite these leaders into. They'd know all the dates and everything that they're signing up for when they'd click on that link. After they saw the webpage, they would send in an application, and then we would invite them into that one-year experience. So this, again, has gone on. We've had two cycles of this now, and it's had an incredible uh, response for, for our church so far. Yeah, how many people went through it this year? Well, this year we had just over 120, and part of that is because we had eight locations doing it, and then you had some people yep. that were also involved from production and, and music as well. Yeah, that's right. And so just to remind people, too, if you want to see what Don's talking about, we're going to include the link to the website uh, in our show notes so you can reference that and not have to be taking notes while he's saying, what are all those things that people had to do? Yeah, I do think if you were to think what's the tension of this? What are we trying to solve other than just having more leaders? It's that uh, we often talk about how there's a J curve that's going on on our planet where people, our, our planet is growing at the fastest rate ever. And we have so many people here and the world is getting darker at the same time, darker and darker at the same time. And we do not have enough leaders to reach those people. And so we need, I mean, as we say, uh, in Luke 10, it talks about how the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And really, we often talk about how Jesus had three people that he kind of leaned on, and then he had 12 people that he really trusted. But what we don't often talk about is the 72. The 72 is like this mid-sized group that Jesus was investing in. It wasn't just the three, the 12, but also the 72. And in Luke 10, just to read it, you can go look at that passage later, but he sends out the 72 two by two. And they are the ones that go door to door reaching people for Christ. They are the ones that move the mission forward. So the encouragement, I think the burden that we even feel as a church, we can raise enough money to get another building. We're continuing to grow as a church, but we can't do that if we don't have leaders in place. And so we have to have kind of that, not just the three, not just the 12, but the 72 per se. So we need to have this mid-sized group that all gets it. They're all on board with it. And now they're the ones that are actually doing the mission. So that's one of the burdens just as we're getting into it that I've felt and that I think we've been really excited about as a church. And then if I could just end that, that's how uh, Luke 10 starts by sending them out the 72. But later on in that passage, it, it talks about how uh, here it is verse 21. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that you had many, that many prophets and Kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. We're getting to see those things that kings and prophets wanted to see, but we're seeing so much response to the gospel, to people being changed by Christ, that, that we can't even believe our eyes. But the reason that's happening is because we have leaders like Mark and Tani that are out there doing the mission, that they get it, and they're the ones that are contagious in bringing the gospel and the mission forward. So, so now I'm ready. Now I'm ready to go ahead and dive in with these two. Great. Hear about their experience. Mark, uh, we had to read three different books, and 
you learned something from a book that really kind of challenged you and your leadership. Why don't you dive in on something that you learned in one of the readings? Sure. Yeah, I read uh, a book called Hero Maker by Dave Ferguson and Warren Bird. And it was a book I'd heard about, but had never, never picked up and uh, read through it. And there are a couple uh, quotes that uh, kind of struck uh, me as far as and, and challenged me as, as a leader. Uh, one of them was a leader is someone who shifts from being a hero to making others the hero in God's unfolding story. And uh, the, the whole idea of uh, servant leadership has been talked about a lot in the last uh, number of years and how that, um, you know, our job is to encourage others and to bring them along as far as in growth and, and learning and developing leaders. And if we do that well, we're going to multiply uh, additional leaders to help and to uh, be able to fulfill the mission that, that God's called us to. And uh, I think, you know, part of the uh, issue is that a lot of times it's harder to bring people into uh, what you're doing because sometimes it takes more time than doing it yourself. But our job is to uh, definitely take people through the process, even though at the front end, it's gonna be more time invested it's gonna it's gonna make uh, things go better in the long run, and we're gonna help them grow and uh, help the mission. Um, and the the other uh, quote that really I think uh, challenged me was you know caring only about the mission and not who gets the credit. And uh, a lot of times it's uh, we look at the people that are on the platform; uh, they're the ones that are visible. But it's it's the a lot of times it's the people behind the scenes that are really making everything uh, go smoothly and work well, and uh, that we we all need to be uh, worried about kind of the, the overall mission, and then not worried about who gets the credit. That if we're all doing our our part, and uh, you know, I'm reminded of a story when I was in. Elementary school brings me back to the playground where you know kids would be ball hogs. They would take the ball and try to try to score, and somebody was wide open, and they would never never give the ball to anyone else. They just wanted to get the ball in the hoop, and I probably was guilty of that a few times in my life. And I, I think as as we're growing people and helping them grow, and we're developing ourselves too at the same point, that we can uh, just know that if if we're doing our jobs, we're we're helping them. Um, and not worry about, you know, if we're given the credit for it, but that we're really all working together to, to accomplish what God's called us to. Yeah, what a great reminder, Mark. I'm a huge fan of Hero Maker. Just love the book, highly recommend it. And I'd agree that trying not to take credit can be difficult for leaders. We kind of base our leadership on that, whether we want to say it or not sometimes, but also just almost the frustration of not doing something so that you can build somebody else up. My tendency is to kind of do it and to deprive yourself of that so that someone else can be trained, can be frustrating, but is such a key part of becoming a hero maker. I have a bit of a case study I'm gonna throw your way, John. All right, we won't dive into every point quite this deep, but I do wanna dive into this one a little bit. This is a real life scenario, is that uh, at a campus, there is a, a window of time, 20 minutes, let's say, before the service starts, and a campus pastor is standing in the lobby, and they see that uh, the person that's supposed to be holding the outside door is not there. 
Now, the question is, how should the campus pastor respond to no one at the door? No one's holding that door open. There's supposed to be a person holding that door open. Now, don't don't think about uh, whether this is hero maker language or Jim Collins language, but a level one leader, I would say, they don't even see that a person's not holding the door. Like, they just don't even notice that. And like we've talked about, you know, good leaders are lint picking leaders. They see details. But uh, so a level one leader doesn't even notice that the door is not being held. A level two leader sees that the door isn't being held, but they don't do anything about it. They're like, oh, we'll worry about it on Monday. You know, we'll figure out why there was nobody at the door. They just walk away because they have something else to do. A level three leader does it. They go hold the door and they say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill this gap. But a level four leader... I'll be interested in your thoughts on this. A level four leader actually goes and gets somebody else and says, as we're walking to the door, hey, I don't know if you know this, but one of the most important roles that I have for you today is to greet people with a big smile when they walk in because somebody's going to be coming through that door that is either against church or doesn't like church, and you're going to be the first person they see. And so I'm putting you in this very important job to hold this door, say hi, and say good morning to somebody coming in. Would you do that for 20 minutes for me? That's what like a hero maker does. Now, honestly, I'm often a level three leader. Like I would, in that scenario, I, I would go do it, you know, because someone isn't doing it. But what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think about that? Oh, I think that's spot on. <clears throat> you know, I, I, just to comment on hero maker, I was really inspired by hero maker to give you some credit, Don. I feel like I'm always giving you credit in this podcast, so I don't want it to go to your head, but you actually told our leadership team that everyone should read it like a year ago. And I bought it. I resisted. I resisted partly because it was like when your parents tell you to do something, you don't do it right away. And then I finally read it and uh, I loved it. I was so inspired. I remember texting you about it after um, just how inspired I was by the book because that's what true servant leadership looks like. It is, it is setting up other people to be the hero. And so I, I, I think that's spot on. I think the yeah. temptation for a lot of high caliber leaders and then probably a lot of pastors who are listening and, and business leaders is to the temptation is to do it yourself. It's so much easier to do it yourself. So much. Yeah. Uh, we can all agree that it's just, if I can just take care of it to actually empower someone else to do it and then not take the credit for their success. That's what true hero making leadership looks like. I, rem- I remember this, this story has always stuck with me when I first started here 10 years ago at Eagle Brook, I was the student pastor at White Bear and uh, we were cleaning up an event. It was like the first, first event that we had done one month into the job and we were cleaning up and I was putting stuff away. And Ray Zafke, who's on the leadership team and he oversees our family ministries and next steps here at our church. Uh, he pulled me aside. And he says, I never want to see you clean up again ever. <laughs> and I thought, what are you talking about? Like that's, I'm being a servant. I'm, I'm cleaning up. Yeah. And his point was, I needed to empower other people to do those roles so that they could fulfill the, the mission that God has for them and use their gifts. I was actually robbing someone else of experiencing uh, the satisfaction of serving in a way that God had entrusted them. It has always stuck with me. It was so counterintuitive because you think, it's just better if I do. It's too much of a hassle to ask someone else. And they don't want to hold it. Mark and Tani, they don't want to, they don't want to clean up. They don't want to hold the door. That, but that's what hero making leadership is. So I think that's spot on, Don. Love that. Right. Yeah. There's such a tension in there. Like, yeah, I, I wanted, I even want to do it too. Like I want to hold the door. Yeah. It's not that, 
I, you know, I, I'm above it. I don't think, you know, it's not that I, no. cause I, I think actually it would be fun for me to do, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. but honestly, I'm deprived. Even you use that word. You're almost depriving somebody else of that great opportunity. Yes. Yeah. And, and maybe there is something else I could or should be doing, but, but I think hero makers think that way. Like, how can I bring somebody else along? How can I train somebody? How can I develop another person? Cause imagine if that person does that, they're probably going to want to do it again. I mean, yeah. they have that opportunity that to become an owner that I would have missed if I just would have done like what I usually would have done. Yeah. Go fill it myself. So absolutely. All right, let's move on to Tani. You, you learned some stuff too. Something you learned was in one of our workshops. Talk about something that you learned through leadership X. Yeah. So um, at one of our workshops, we talked about 4D leadership. Um, So just leading in four directions, leading in, leading down, leading out, and then also leading up. And the part that really stuck with me was leading up because I think everything, all the other directions are so much, it's more natural for us to think about leading downwards or even leading ourselves. Um, But so I walked away really encouraged to just think about how can I continually add value to my leaders? And what does that look like to lead leaders, lead those that are leading me? And it really just encouraged me in the fact that um, through serving my leaders and affirming them, that is a way that I can be leading them. And I think about what we're currently experiencing right now in this pandemic, and it's given this really great opportunity for me to seek out ways that I can lessen the load of my leaders and also to just be more mindful about encouraging them as well. Um, So I think just being intentional on that about serving them and affirming them, it also has this ability to really transform those relationships as well. So that really has stuck with me and also given me something that I can put into action as I um, took that away from one of the workshops. Yeah, I love that. I sometimes, to be totally honest with you, I get nervous with a leading up teaching because sometimes it can feel like this is your chance to stand up against your boss, you know, like straighten out your boss. Uh, and there's a time for that. But in general, I think like you were saying, the need to serve your boss or to l- be a load lifter. Like, I think that's a great compliment from your supervisor when they say, you are a load lifter in my life. I don't know if I get that comment very often, but I think that that's a great thing is when you can be a load lifter, meaning that you are caring for your boss, you're leading up in that way of being someone who wants them to win too. Uh, that's a challenge for me. And sometimes I get nervous about leading up, but the way you say it, I think is really, is compelling. Yeah. And what is it in us that resists that too? You know, I think why, why, you know, just to dig at that a little bit, Don, why do we resist leading up? And maybe Mark or Tani, if you guys have an answer too, I, I just wonder like, what, what is it in us that resists the lightning, the load or leading up in that way? I think part of it is I think people are fearful that they're infringing on the leader and that they're going to feel like, um, you know, that they're, they're kind of getting into that a different territory that they're not uh, comfortable in. And uh, I think, I think if the motivation is there to, to lighten the load and that the leader understands that that's what you're trying to do versus trying to take over or trying to uh, influence uh, over influence, uh, I think that's probably, that's more a trust factor. 
Yeah. Trust is key to being a non-threatening presence. You know, I think you, you don't want to be a threat to the leader too. If there's any sniff of you're seeking out my seat or my job or my responsibilities, I think that can get, uh, that can get fuzzy very quickly too in dangerous territory. So yeah, I, I wonder too, if there's something about maybe this is just speaking to my own selfishness, but uh, if I lighten the load of my leader, his life's going to be easier or her life is going to be easier, but mine's not. And there is a little bit like, Oh man, what's in it for me when I do this? I mean, is it a raise? No. Is it more credit? No, but I'm doing it. Why I'm doing it to serve because that's what we're called to do. We're called to, I mean, it's, it's similar to the hero maker, but it's leading up in this way. You're, you're basically making a hero out of someone else. And there's something that Jesus calls us to all the time is to die to ourselves, our own selfish desires. And there's something just beautiful about doing that without getting the credit and making it easier for the person above you. That's, that's a really interesting concept. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Doing a checking your ego is a constant practice for leaders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you have to constantly for Christian leaders, I should say, I mean, cause maybe non-Christian leaders don't care you know, but a Christ following leader to be sacrificial and to check your ego and say, I want to be a low lifter. And even if I don't get the credit, that's going to be okay. That takes a mature leader to say that and actually believe that that's pretty rare. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm always there. I mean, I, <laughs> I sometimes like the credit for the ideas that you bring, that I bring forward. I mean, that's yeah. just a little forsake that at times. Yeah. Well, let's dive into the, the shadowing experience. Mark, you had a chance to shadow uh, a staff member. Tell us a little bit about what that was like for you and, and what you learned. Sure. Yeah, we uh, spent spent a morning shadowing uh, the production manager at, at Lakeville, uh, Ian. And, uh, you know, I knew uh, somewhat of what went behind the scenes as far as at Eagle Brook and uh, had the opportunity to go to Lino and see the amazing uh, production facilities that uh, that you guys have there. But I think the thing that impressed me is that, you know, we're at a remote campus and meeting in a high school and the amount of preparation that goes into uh, each service and the timing and making sure that, you know, the lighting, the video, the sound, the lyrics are on the screen at the right time. Uh, just the attention to detail that goes into every service um, and I've said that because we're at a, a, a portable or mobile site, uh, our experience is no different than any other site. And I, I think that's that said a lot to me that uh, Eagle Brook cares about every uh, every church or every uh, group that's meeting, and that uh, that they all get the same experience. And that you know, I think I never am fearful of inviting somebody to come on a weekend because I know that they're going to get. Uh, an excellent experience, and I'm not going to be embarrassed. And I grew up in a, uh, a church where we used to have special Sundays, which meant that those were the Sundays you could invite your friends or neighbors, and uh, the music was going to be a lot better than it normally was. And, and uh, you're, you were uh, you knew those few key times during the year. And at Eagle Brook, that's you know that's every weekend, and uh, so I appreciate that. And and uh, so that's uh, that was kind of my experience, and, and uh, definitely was impressed by just everybody that's involved. And again, they're not the people that you see; they're behind the scenes, 
And uh, they're really serving and making it uh, something, removing distraction for people that are hearing the message. Yeah, I love that. And to me, one of the benefits right there is, and you maybe believe that prior to it. I'm not assuming that maybe you did always believe that Eagle Brook, you know, cared about every single detail every weekend. We always know that there's someone who's going to be invited for the very first time. But by having that shadowing experience, you now believe it even more because you saw for yourself behind the scenes. And now, similar to what Don was tying in at the very beginning, the 72, now you go out and you not only just kind of know it from a theoretical standpoint, now you have seen it and you believe it. And so when you do invite, you truly believe and can say with confidence, when you come this weekend, it's going to be the very best experience that Eagle Brook can possibly give you right. because you've seen it for yourself. I love that. That's one of the values of this Leadership X program in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great tie-in. Tony had some interesting and similar lessons. I think maybe talk about yours and then we can dive even a little deeper in both of them maybe. Yeah. So I also shadowed um, at a couple different campuses. So it was really neat to just go to multiple campuses, especially on the same weekend. Um, and I was like Mark, just blown away by the attention to detail and the intentionality, or probably even more so the consistency among all the campuses that I was at. And I think the shadowing really was this moment where everything that we had been learning through Leadership X, we got to really see it in action and really play out. Um, So during my experience, one of them, um, I got to just listen to the staff interact with attenders and volunteers and even have some difficult conversations. I got to see what was similar than the wiggle room that they had to be creative. So one of mine was um, watching the opening of uh, the worship list and the worship songs. And in, at one campus, there was no words on the side screens. And it definitely gave you a certain feel and it really drew your eye into the stage Um, And it was wonderful. And then we went to the next campus and seeing they did put the words up on the screen. So it was, you know, same song, a lot of similarity, but there's just that one difference. And when being able to actually be a part and listen to how the staff came to that decision and how they wrestled through uh, those decisions to uh, whether or not to put the words on a side screen or not uh, was really amazing uh, for me to be able to sit back and just take in and listen and be a part of. Um, And I think the biggest thing about all of it between through my whole shadow at both campuses was just seeing how mission focused um, all the staff were. And that for me as a volunteer was just so impactful just to see how mission oriented our church is because every decision they were making came back to reaching people for Christ. So it was just an amazing experience for me. Yeah. Again, how cool that you get to see behind the scenes and then you get to see us almost obsess over who thinks about these things, you know, words on the screen or not. And well, we do. I mean, and the reason we do is because you're right. This is the day, and John, I think you just said that, is this is the day somebody's coming for the first time. I mean, we think that every weekend, this is the weekend. It's not some special weekend, Mark, like, you know, you talked about in other experiences. We believe this week, this weekend, somebody's going to walk through the doors or, or now tune in uh, who's never come to church before or they're, they're bitter toward the church or they're bitter toward God or they're having a negative experience of some kind. And if we can break down those walls, and by the way, 
my take is on production, and John's the master of this, but when production is going really well, you don't even notice it, you know, because you're, you're focusing on what's most important. You're focusing on God. So, so we do pick apart those details of what's going to be the seamless experience that's ultimately going to put people's minds and hearts in the right place. And it's why we do obsess over words or no words or lighting or no lighting or a typo by all means. Let's make sure that people aren't distracted by that or the words are coming at the right time or that even to the lobby or the parking lot experience, we obsess over those because we think this is the weekend that somebody prayed about a loved one, a friend for, for days or years. And today is the day they're going to show up. Let's make sure that it's all the barriers are removed and that God can do his thing. And by means, by over and over, God just continues to do that and it blows us away every time. But it does whittle down to those details that you guys noticed maybe in a new way in, in shadowing. Yeah, love that. Uh, anything else you guys want to add, add about shadow experiences or should we just kind of head toward the home stretcher talking about just the program in general? Anything else on shadowing? Yeah, I, I think it, it did give me a, a greater appreciation. I, you know, I knew a lot of uh, having, you know, gone to some of the classes and heard, you know, about kind of the mission of uh, Eagle Brook. But I think just seeing behind the scenes really uh, made me think about, okay, there's, you know, and one of the things that uh, in our shadowing experience uh, they talked about is, you know, one song that they did that was coordinated with all the different campuses and realizing there was so much to, to get the timing right and every single detail. And, and uh, I thought, okay, they're, they're putting a lot of effort because knowing, like you said, that there is somebody that somebody's invited it in every campus for that weekend and they made it a great experience and most people weren't going to even think about it but they know it was done well and that they they were able to receive the message and, and uh, yeah it, it definitely um, I, I know my wife went through the same experience and she says wow everybody should see this for themselves yeah 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 i mean the word that we often lean on for the weekends is it's invitational you know, you just can't help. Someone has to come see this. I got to invite somebody, kids, students, weekend experience, whatever it might be. Well, just turn in the corner here. Just any general thoughts. I mean, it's a pretty big commitment for you guys. I mean, we're asking you to read. We're asking you to listen. We're asking you to shadow. I mean, there's numerous workshops. Even one of them that I led is like an all day thing. I mean, we essentially had you come at 8 a.m. and we let you go at like six in the, I mean, what were we thinking? But we, we asked you to do that. Talk to me about the commitment that we're asking you to do and just the general overall experience. Uh, any overall reflection that you guys have? Go ahead, Tony. Let's go, Tony. Tony, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, a, I love to learn and I love people. So it was so much fun for me. I just looked forward to it all the time. And I think just there was a community aspect to it too. So you're just surrounded by all these other leaders that um, you get to just build relationships or learning about similar things. Um, and there's an excitement with that. So that part was just, I thought that was so fun. Um, but I think a big thing with, it is a commitment, but the opportunity to be able to watch leaders, even just how they interact with one another, watching them wrestle through tough decisions, uh, watching, you know, 
how the staff provide feedback and learning that and being taught that from all these great leaders is, I think, one of the greatest gifts that we can receive as a leader. And it's such a rare opportunity to get an opportunity like that. So I essentially felt like, you know, we're invited to this table of leaders and to learn from one another and learn from them. And it just really expands your thinking and changes your lens, I think, on how um, even us as volunteers, what can we bring back to carry that forward and carry the vision of Eagle Brook forward as we, in whatever area that we serve, um, to just get better at that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I love it. That's that's what we were hoping would happen. So I love that it actually is. How about you, Mark? Any overall thoughts? Yeah, I think it's it's increased my feeling of ownership of, of what Eagle Brook is about and feeling like I, I understand in a greater way of what uh, the overall, you know, I understood the mission of, you know, we're empowered by God to reach others for Christ. I understood that part of it, but just the overall kind of the, the mission and the organization and and now to be able to go, you know, on the back of a napkin, write down, you know, four different images that describe, you know, what uh, Eagle Brook is all about. And it really just kind of ties it all together and, and just having that deeper appreciation and understanding. And, you know, I've talked to other people that have said, you know, they've, they've attended churches. And one of the things that they were so frustrated about was there didn't seem to be an overall mission. And what there wasn't a real vision for uh, what we're trying to accomplish. And it's, it's very understandable. It's, it's not that it's, it's simple. It's very complex as far as Eagle Brook is, but the mission is simple and, uh, that I'm able to, I guess, describe it better now, understand it more and, uh, really have a, a better appreciation for kind of what, what we're all about. And, uh, so hopefully to convey that to people that we're leading as, you know, directors and guest services and involved in leading a small group that we're able now to share that uh, with, I guess, more passion. And uh, we have passion before, but I think it increases that. So it's been a very valuable experience. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being a part of it. Thanks for representing Leadership X. I assume you guys would both say if there's churches out there thinking about a program like this, You'd give it a, a yes, you guys should do it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they can't see you. They can't see the head nodding. <laughs> they, are, they are nodding. They are nodding. Of course, we forced them too early, but no. Two, two yeah. thumbs up. Really okay. Yeah. Up. There it is. I mean, it is no silver bullet, but it really is an effective program that has helped to increase our core of people who are sharing the mission. And it, and we often say, if we're all singing the same song, we're all going the same direction. Imagine the impact and how we can be more effective in the mission that God's called us to do. So thanks so much to you two to taking the time to do this today and for joining Leadership X and for really giving us some great insights on this podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it definitely, you know, we, we appreciate uh, that Eagle Brook does this because there most churches don't do anything like this and and at a level that you know at the end you go this was worthwhile the time invested uh, was a growing experience so definitely appreciate you guys putting this together and, and all the staff that's involved in it it's it's definitely a, was a meaningful experience yeah thank thanks you guys for diving into this and I'll just add to um, Don was mentioning this but if you are a church leader who's listening to this or your pastor. 
uh, you got to have a plan for developing people. And we've always done a great job with that at the staff level and volunteer level to some degree. But this Leadership X program, I would say, has taken us into the next level of developing top tier and high capacity leaders. We, uh, Our good friend, Dale Peterson, who's been on the leadership team for 20 years, part of Eagle Brook, but he often says the demand for people to know Christ is greater than our capacity. And the capacity somehow, sometimes is limited by buildings or money or whatever, you know, fill in the blank. But but a couple of years ago, it really hit us that our capacity was being limited by the amount of high quality leaders within our church. And so I would say, if you are a church, steal it. You can have it. We don't hold on to our resources uh, very tightly. We want to share. We're all in this together. So again, we'll include that link in our show notes, but feel free to just take the program. We're always making tweaks. We'll probably make tweaks going into next year. Um, but you got to have a plan for developing people. It's absolutely crucial. So Don, any final thoughts or you want to sign off here? I think we can sign off, but yeah, I mean, you, you did say churches, but I'd say any organization. I mean, yes. this, this leadership, having a, a an intentional leadership development program. And again, you can take ours and make it better. You can, you can make it better. <laughs> uh, but I think leaders like to be developed. And this is something that has really kind of scratched an itch at our church. And it's really helped us to, to move forward in our mission. Yep. All right. Thanks for joining us, Mark and Tani. Uh, that's all we got for this episode of the Uber Church Leadership Podcast. When leaders get better, and Mark and Tani, you guys are two great leaders, the church gets better. Our hope is that no matter how or where you lead in the church, that you will continue to grow in your abilities so that your church, uh, wherever you are, will reach more people for Christ. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Tani. Thanks, whoever is listening to this. And we'll see you for the next episode of the Eagle Work Church Leadership Podcast. Mm-hmm.